welcome to another exciting podcast from Living Faith Church. It's our hope and prayer that today's message will bring you closer and deeper to the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here is our lead pastor, Pastor Dean Hackett. You have a message for our heart. You have a message that you want to speak directly to our heart. A message that will strengthen our faith. A message that will anchor us solid upon the solid rock. And I look forward to hearing what you share today, Lord. God, I yield myself to you. And I ask you to speak through me. Take my frail human life and make it an instrument in your hand. Speak through this tongue. God, I pray that you would cause me to think your thoughts and speak your words. And Lord, may this message be spirit and life and revelation to everyone. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Would you lift your hands to him? Lift your hands to him and worship him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, your word today. Your word today, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 The Lord Jesus shocked the religious leaders and the crowds that followed him with his teaching. He was so profound and deep in his teaching. And he taught with an authority that they just were not used to hearing. But not only that, he urged them into a relationship that was not like anything that they had been taught or trained The religious leaders believed it was based on pedigree and uh, the training that they had and the religious position that they held. And as Jesus taught, he rebuked their hypocrisy and spiritual snobbery. He said to them, "You, you are shutting up the kingdom of God to the general populace and you're not even going in yourself. But then to the general population, he would speak to them and he would welcome the most common people into the kingdom. He even welcomed into the kingdom those believed to be the worst of sinners. And he would say to them, go and sin no more. And, and it, it, it was something that they had never seen. And it, it shocked everyone wherever he went. Dear ones, I want to tell you that most of the people outside of the church... They think today, like the general populace did in that day, 
That it's, it's, and, and there are many churches that teach it. That you, you, you get into the kingdom of God because you have a certain pedigree. You know, only, only this group is going to heaven. We're the only right group. And it's by pedigree. But when you get inside that group, then it narrows down even further. Well, yes, I know that I'm going to heaven, but I don't know about you. And it, 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 becomes, it becomes a spiritual snobbery. And, and the world doesn't understand what they see Christians standing on the public sidewalks and, and, and in places holding up signs. They don't get it. For years, I don't know if you remember this, you maybe have to be older than dirt like I am, but I remember years people would stand up in the end zone of football games and hold up John 3.16 sign. And, and not realizing the overwhelming majority did not know what that meant. Number one, who's John? And what does 3.16 say to him? Are you, are, you know, are you giving some kind of code? They have no clue. They didn't know. When we stand on the side of the road and we hold up signs about abortion, we hold up signs about uh, protesting about other things, folks, they don't get it. They think we are being religious snobs and hypocrites. And, and, and they think we are shutting the kingdom of heaven to them. They think we hate sinners. They don't understand that truly, that's really not where the majority of the church is at. The majority of the church loves people, loves sinners, wants to see them come to Jesus. Amen? Because we recognize, except for the grace of God, that's me. That's me. Folks, except for the grace of God, I would be an alcoholic. I would be a drug addict. I would be in prison. All my teachers thought that anyway. One of them stood me up in front of the class and said, don't be like him, he's going to be in prison by the time he's 21. Okay, it's, you know, because by the grace of God, that's where we are. Come on, amen? Amen. And Jesus was opening the kingdom of God really, really wide. That's why he could say to that woman caught in the very act of adultery, "Um, where, where are your accusers? Uh, they're not here Lord neither do I condemn they go sin no more come on step into the kingdom that's why you could say to the woman at the well who had been married five times and was living with a guy you're not shut out of the kingdom that's why he could say to blind Bartimaeus you're not shut out of the kingdom Come on, amen? That's why he, he could shock everybody by going by the tax collector's booth and, and saving an IRS agent. You didn't know they could be saved, did you? They could be saved. Come on. Amen? Democrats don't think Republicans can get saved. Republicans don't think Democrats can get saved. They can See, it's not pedigree. That's why Jesus said to one of the Pharisees, his name was Nicodemus, they said to him, Nick, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And and he was letting... This was absolutely revolutionary to him. 
He had to go back to his home and chew and meditate on that. And I'm sure that he and Joseph, Arimathea, they talked about it. They dialogued about it because they were friends. He may have talked about it with some of his other Pharisee friends. He's going, can you get this? It's not by the fact that I've just been, that, you know, that, that I was raised. Oh, my goodness. What's it about? The Apostle Paul wrote about this when he wrote to the church at Philippi in chapter 3 of Philippians, beginning at verse 1. If you'd like to turn there with me. Philippians chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. This is how the Apostle Paul talked about it. Now remember, I want to remind you, he was a Pharisee. Come on, amen? He was a Pharisee. Very likely... He was sitting in the Sanhedrin when Jesus was tried and found guilty and taken to Pilate. We know that Nick was there. We know Joseph of Arimathea was there. This Pharisee, this is what he wrote. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same thing to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. When he's talking about beware of dogs and beware of mutilation, the the Jewish people considered Gentiles dogs, goyim. Mutilation is talking about circumcision so what he's talking about is be be careful be careful of not letting the world creep in be careful that those who who require circumcision that they are forcing you to become jewish to be saved you don't have to be jewish to be saved but at the same time you can be saved and be jewish All of the leaders that started the church of Jesus Christ were Jews. Come on. Saved, born again. But when the Gentiles were getting saved and coming in, they did not have to become Jewish. The Jews didn't have to give up their Jewishness. The Gentiles didn't have to become Jewish. God was uniting the church together. Come on, amen. It wasn't pedigree. It was opening the kingdom of God wide. It's not if you're Methodist or Lutheran or Presbyterian or Baptist or Conservative Baptist or Southern Baptist or Northern Baptist or, or, or Pentecostal or are you uh, uh, Church of God or are you Church of God of Prophecy or a Church of God of Anderson, Indiana or are you Church of God of the Mountains or a Church of God of the... Come on, man. We've got more names than we can dream. And every one of those names represent someone who began doing church their way and their way was the right way. Or because their way didn't fit what was the right way, they were kicked out. You ever got the left foot of fellowship? Okay, listen. And God is wanting you and I to understand something really, 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 really important. It's not by pedigree. You do have to be born again. Okay, the kingdom of God isn't, not everybody's not going to the kingdom. Okay, you got to be born again. 
Wide is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to the kingdom of God. Not narrow like some men make narrow. Some people make the kingdom of God so narrow they could live on the edge of a razor blade. And that's not what God is saying either. But God is saying, I am opening this up. I am opening the kingdom of God up because I'm not willing any should perish. Amen? The apostle Paul goes on. Listen to what he goes on to say. He said, for we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh, though I also might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Now he starts describing his pedigree. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning righteousness, which is in the law blameless, I got. I always when I read this, I always stop right there, and I go, "This guy must have been really good." I mean, how many in this room can honestly say, and it must have been true because God recorded it in His Bible, can honestly say that your peers around you look at you and go, "Man, that guy's blameless." Anybody? I don't have a hand up. They always seem to find faults with me. All right. I got so many warts, and they're so obvious. I, I never could tell a lie because my face always always goes liar, 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 liar. You know, and it, and we're all like that. Paul said, "I want you to know my peers found me blameless." That's amazing, but it doesn't stop there. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I suffer the loss of all things and do count them but dung. Listen to what he's saying. My pedigree didn't do it. The fact that I was a Pharisee didn't do it. The fact that I was found blameless by my peers didn't do it. It didn't matter that others could look at me and go, man, that's a really strong Christian. Wow, he's a mighty man of God. That didn't do it. All of that stuff was nothing it was like refuse. It was like garbage to be thrown out in the, in the dumpster. That didn't count anything. So what did count, Paul? I count all things but lost them. I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. That's what counted. Are you born again? Amen? Now watch. This, so he's, he's driving these guys crazy. Because he's, he's, changing, he's changing the terms. And you got all these Pharisees wearing their phylacteries. And, and, they, and they're doing all their religious stuff. And, and they're paying their alms and blowing their horns. And I mean, they're doing all this stuff. Man, they are really, really religious. They are really, really religious, man. They are really, really religious. They are like really, really religious. And Jesus is going, it doesn't matter. You're not going in the kingdom. This this harlot over here that's been born again, she's going to the kingdom. You're not. Oh, man, they are mad. They are furious. 
This alcoholic over here that got saved is going in the kingdom. It doesn't matter that you've been in church sitting on the pew since you were born. It doesn't matter that you've gone to church all your life and now you're 45 years old and you're sitting in the same chair you've been sitting in since you were a little kid in the same church. But you are not going to heaven because you haven't been born again. You must be born again. Amen? That's what Jesus was saying. And they didn't like it. But Jesus took it a step further. He made it even more shocking to them. How did he do that, Pastor? In John chapter 14, he, he saved this teaching for some personal time with his close disciples. They celebrated Passover together. He's going to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And he teaches them an even deeper lesson. You got to hear it. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I'll pray the Father that he may give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I'll not leave you comfortless. I will come unto you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye live also. At that time, ye shall know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Jesus is making it really clear. God is taking this whole relationship thing to a whole other level. It's not going to center around the temple and around keeping the sacrifices and doing all the offerings at the temple. You are going to become the temple of God. But he didn't stop there. That's John 14. In John 15, he takes it even another step. He said, from now on, I do not call you servants, for the servant does not know what the master does. But I call you friends, for all that I have received from the Father, I have made known to you. He is, he is taking it deeper. He's taking it deeper. He's going, you know what? You're not going to be the temple of God, but not that. you're going to be the friend of God. And I, I like how Dr. Robertson talks about the, the Greek grammar here in, in this particular sentence in John 15, verse 15, when Jesus says, I call you friends. In, in the grammar, he, he says, in the grammar, in the Greek grammar, it is placing them at a position of greater distinction. And, and it's... it's it, it sets them up and they are there. It's not just a temporary, but it is they are sitting in a new position of distinction. It is a relationship with Almighty God that's not just, oh yeah, oh yeah, I know, oh yeah, I know Jim. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh I remember Jim, oh yeah. Jim and I have golfed together a couple of times. Oh, you know what? Jim, yeah, Jim lives just down the street from me. Yeah, I know him. And, and you wave at him as you go by each day, right? You, you got neighbors like that? You, know, you may even know their first name. 
menu, we just wave at them as you go by? That's not what Jesus was saying. Jesus wasn't saying it's that kind of a friend. He's not even saying it's the kind of friend that, well, yeah, you know what? We, we, we get together and have coffee, you know, once or twice a month. No, no, it's not, even, it's not even like that. It's not that kind of a friendship. It's the kind of friendship where I am sharing life with you. It's the kind of friendship that we like to do in our life groups. I mean, some of our life groups, man, we have shared life with people. They have suffered deaths in their family. One of our life groups, a husband just suddenly died of a heart attack. Boom, completely unexpected. The life group gathered around and, and, and met the needs of, of, of that widow and even helped her move back to Portland. And all of us went to Portland for the memorial service. And we still stay in touch. In fact, she comes to our, our women's retreats each year. I mean, there is that, it's that kind of relationship. Amen? But it goes deeper. Paul took it even deeper in Ephesians chapter 1 when he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Listen, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise and the glory of his grace having made us accepted in the beloved in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace we're no longer a servant we're a friend we're not only a friend we are an adopted son and daughter of Almighty God. We're a son and daughter of Almighty God. Folks, this is so much better than just being religious. It's so much better than saying, well, yeah, but I'm a member of so-and-so. Do you really know who you are in Jesus Christ? Do you really know who you are in Jesus Christ? Do you really know who you are in Jesus Christ? See, if you're a son and daughter of God, you're not just a sinner saved by grace. You once were a sinner, but now you're saved by grace. And because you're saved by grace, you're now a friend of God. But you're more than a friend of God. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. And, and that makes you royalty. Now you're royalty. Because see, see, my elder brother is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But my heavenly father, he created everything. And by him, everything is held together. And, and, and he sits on the throne. My father sits on the throne. That makes me a prince. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. I want scripture for that. Thank you. Revelation chapter 1 verse 7 says, And he has made us kings and priests unto our God. First Peter chapter two, verses nine and ten said, it said we, we once we once didn't have grace, but now we have grace. And we are a holy nation, a royal priesthood, God's special treasure. Let's, let's just pause a minute. Just just pause, take a deep breath. 
And now turn to your neighbor and go, you're a jewel. You're a jewel. Oh, by the way, tell them, not a dime store jewel. You're, you're, or even a dollar store jewel. <laughs> I, I, I made that clear because somebody just said, that, yeah, you're a jewel. I bought you at the dollar store. Yeah, no, 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 no. Come on. No, no, no. <clears throat> How do we walk in this? How, how do we walk in this on a daily basis? Jesus, and, and, and some aren't going to like this, but Jesus put a condition on this. He said, if, if you love me, you keep my commandments. He said, you are my friends if you do what I say. Now, there's some that are going to go, wait, 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 Pastor Dean. I, I, that's Old Testament stuff. We don't have to keep the commandments, right? Who told you that? They lied to you. Jesus himself said, I didn't come to do away with it. And one of Jesus' closest disciples, John, made it even more clear in his first epistle when, when he said, this is how we know him. If we keep his commandments. Whoa, wait a minute. But see, it's not, here's the difference. Okay, in, in, the, in the Old Testament, it was keeping the commandments to be righteous. Okay, that, that's how you knew you were righteous. See, that, that's how they established their pedigree. How, how, how well did you keep the commandments? But in, in Jesus, in Jesus Christ, we don't keep the commandments to be righteous, we keep the commandments because we are righteous. Our righteousness is not anything we've done. Jesus made us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus gave us a new heart and a new life. And because he gave us a new heart and a new life, now we can live right. We couldn't live right before. Now we can live right. He even changes our want to. I was on an airplane one time flying home and I was sitting next to this guy and I, I kept trying to engage him in conversation and he didn't want to. And then a little bit looked at me and he goes, I noticed, I noticed you, you, didn't, you didn't drink any alcohol. I said, I drink all the alcohol I want to. Looked at me, he goes, uh, I, noticed, I noticed you don't smoke. I said, I smoke all I want to. It looked like kind of weird. And I said, but I don't want to. <laughs> and he couldn't get that. Well, I know why he couldn't get it. It's because his heart wasn't born again. See, before I was born again, I, I did all those things and much, much more. But when Jesus Christ gave me a new heart, all of that stuff began to change. And it was weird. Instead of standing out on the street and mocking the people in church like I used to do, I now wanted to be in there and sing those songs with them and worship my Lord because I loved him. 
December 9th, 1968, my life took a radical turn. Before that day, I was always seeking different chicks. But on December 9th, 1968, I went on a date with this little Italian gal that grew up in Montana. And I didn't want anyone else. And from that day till this, I've been a one-woman man. I took all the pictures out of my wallet, threw them away. Even took a Netflix and Tellers picture and threw it away. There's a whole bunch of them going, who's he talking about? She was one of the very first Mouseketeers. That's how old I am, okay? Because I love Wanda, I gladly keep myself only unto her. I keep myself morally pure. When the wrong thing comes on TV, I look down and I say, let me know when I can look up. I don't want to look at other people undressed. I've got eyes for only one. Only one. And the reason is because I'm so in love with her. And because I am so in love with Almighty God, I have set myself apart to Him exclusively. And so I want to please him in my thoughts, in the things I look at, in the way I speak. I want to please him in my behavior, in my attitude. I want to please him. I want to honor him because I've set myself exclusively to him. Does this make sense to you? That's called sanctification in scripture. That's that religious term, sanctification. Sanctification. Jesus said these words in John 7. He said, Father, I pray for them. Not that you would take them out of the world, but you would keep them while they're in the world. Sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. And for their sake, I sanctify myself. That they also may be sanctified by thy truth. Jesus is saying, Lord, they're in the world. They're living in the world. And there's going to be all kinds of pressure from the world. The culture's going to put pressure on them. The culture and everything about the world is going to try and shape them and mold them. But Lord, sanctify them by thy truth. And what Jesus is praying for, dear ones, the Greek word for sanctify is hagiadzo comes from the Greek word hagios. It means to be holy. To be holy. We, we don't hear a lot today about being holy. In fact, in many ways, it's even mocked. Well, you're just trying to be so holy, you're no earthly good. Uh, dear ones, that's not possible. Because when when someone is really, really holy, they are worth a whole lot of good on this earth. 
they may be really, really religious and so they're not worth much on the earth because there's a difference between being religious and being holy. When you are walking holy as Jesus is holy, you're changing the world around you. In a few weeks, I'm going to tell you the story about a Romanian bishop who was really living holy for God and how that one man changed an entire nation because he learned how to live the kingdom of God. See, when we set ourselves apart to God and we go, Jesus, I love you so much. I want to honor you and please you. And we set ourselves apart to God. And so we're living a holy life. It's not because we're religious. It is because we are so sold out to Jesus. Romans 12.1, present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. See, we've set ourselves, we've, we've presented our whole being to God. God, you take my life and make it yours. And then with that presentation, he said, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove, that you may show forth, that you may live out what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I've sanctified myself to God exclusively for his use. Romans 6 11 to 14, when he said these words, he said, Reckon ye yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin reign in your mortal bodies, neither present the members of your bodies as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but Present yourself to God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to him. For you're not under law but under grace. Sin shall not have dominion over you for you are not under law but under grace. I not only give God my whole life but then one by one I begin giving God the members of my body. The first thing I had to get control of in my life was my tongue. Anybody? I cursed like a sailor. It was terrible. I'm telling you, no teenager should talk the way I talked. It was awful. It breaks my heart when I hear young people today throwing out F-bombs and everything else. I'm going, oh, if you only knew. And, and I didn't want to talk like that again. And I said, God, I give you permission. When I use the wrong words, you can make me feel so bad that I will feel like the scum of the earth. I really made that prayer to God. And he started doing that. I'll never forget, man, this was so cool. My first year in the Air Force... I'm up on a ladder. I'm going to hang a picture in my, in my room. And, I, and I, I, boy, I was going to drive that nail in and I hit the wrong nail. And my thumb just exploded. And I jumped down off the ladder and I was jumping around holding. You ever been there? I got that to calm down, wrapped it up. And then I got to thinking. I didn't say any bad words. 
Then I got more excited with the fact I hadn't said any bad words about my thumb. My thumb quit hurting. I was so glad that God was helping me. Then I had to give him my mind so I wouldn't think the wrong thoughts. I'd filled my mind full of pornography. I'd been addicted to pornography since I was 10 years old. And I, I, I wanted God to have my mind. I didn't want to have those things anymore. Then I had to give God my hands and my feet and my temper. <laughs> I just one by one, I, I began to give God the members of my body so that he could be glorified in my life. Because I wanted to walk with him as a friend and as a son. Do you walk with God as a friend and as a son or a daughter? Do you walk that close with him? Have you presented yourself to him? See, if you're going to know the kingdom of God, if you're going to live out the kingdom of God, it's going to be because you live with him as a friend and as a son and daughter. And you know him and he knows you and you know who you are. Would you stand with me? We are so blessed that you join us online today. For more resources on how you can grow your relationship with Jesus Christ, visit us online at www.winacity.com. If you would like to speak with someone about your relationship with Jesus Christ or would like prayer, you can contact us at 541-567-4486 or email us at info at winacity.com.